Hello there, you are listening to Goring Guilty Podcast. I'm Georgia. And I'm Greg. And this week it is a Greg episode. I actually don't know what case we're doing today, so it's all a bit of a big surprise. You guys will already have more of an idea than me, because it'll be in the title. But Greg, what are we doing today? (laughs) (laughs) Today is such a crazy case. Such a crazy case. The criminal, the murderer, the awful, awful human being in this case is a man called Stephen Pladdle. That I might be pronouncing wrong. But this case has everything. There's going to be about a million trigger warnings. Really? And yeah, it's it's just horrifying. Like the whole story sounds like it shouldn't be real. Of which I know last week or in last week's episode we said, hey, maybe we should do a softer case soon because of all these <laughs> yeah, I, crazy ones. I was going to remind you of that. <laughs> this one definitely is not a softer case. Wow. So buckle in. I know nothing nothing about this case so i am excited to hear but before we get into all of that how are you doing greg i'm doing well i'm doing good it's getting closer and closer to christmas yeah. and i'm a big christmas lover so that's good have you done any christmas shopping yet or is it still too early it's i don't actually know what christmas shopping i have to do uh without giving anything away because i know some family listen to this <laughs> with like I'm doing joint presents with some others and (laughs) I need to like go away and figure out who do I actually need to buy for? Yeah, that's so cryptic. But but yeah, uh, all is well with me. How about with you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Um, Much better week than last week. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Just been doing lots of uh, uni work really this week, just trying to catch up. But I did want to do a little shout out. It's my brother's birthday today. So happy birthday. Yay. Happy <laughs> birthday, Will. How old is he? 24. <gasps> 24, the big 2-4. Mm, yeah. So happy birthday. Um, but yeah, so we've got a couple couple things that we wanted to say before we crack into this episode. Um, first off, Danny After Dark, thank you so, 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 so much for that video. It proper made our day i don't think oh, it was just amazing if you don't know who danny after dark is go and check her youtube out because it is amazing she talks through her latest episode she talks through all of her favorite true crime podcasts that she listens to so if you're stuck for anything to listen to go check that out and maybe you'll have some like choice but yeah fantastic spoiler alert we made the cut <laughs> it's so good it's so surreal though isn't it it's just uh, amazing and we wanted to say thank you as well to all of you lovely lot that posted in your stories this week as well that you were listening to us because it really does make our day like we didn't expect anyone to listen to us so it yeah amazing we love it yeah we love it we love you Gilrees we love you (laughs) (laughs) we also asked this week for a couple of questions before or for when we record yeah shall i jump into those now yeah let's do it cool so the first question we got which we have answered before so maybe we'll just rush through it this time how did we decide to do a podcast together yeah so what was that last last august so we've been the idea has been floating around for over a year now 
Um, we were in Cheddar Gorge, weren't we? With some friends. Indeed. And it was like a drunken night. And Greg and I have always been interested in true crime. Always love it, like a good debate. Um, we have usually have like polar opposite opinions about cases, which is pretty, pretty good to have like pretty interesting discussions. <laughs> um, and then that night we kind of just said, Oh, should we do a podcast? And sure enough, about six months later, it kind of developed into something. Yeah, and here we are. Couple of mics and the rest is history. Yeah, it's such good fun though. I've enjoy- I enjoy it so much. It's good crack. It's good crack. Yeah. The other question we had was: Is there a case that you have researched for the show, and then decided it was too graphic? So I guess we both have to answer this. Yeah. I. I know we've never said that specifically. Have, have you ever come across a case you've decided was too graphic to do? So I have I have got a few cases in mind that I want to do, but I know that they are so graphic that I'm like preparing for it, if that makes sense. Like, <laughs> you know, with the right moment. Um, but I, I would say that I don't think... I think that we would probably cover most cases... Um, we wouldn't necessarily not do one because it's too graphic, but it's just picking mm. the right moments of when we're going to go down that dark path. <laughs> well, we are called Gore and Guilty as well. Exactly. So the, the, it's kind of a clue in the name that we aren't afraid of a little gore. Yeah. With that being said, there's definitely there's definitely a couple of cases. The Toy Box Killer yeah. comes to mind. Toy- I know loads of podcasts have done that, so that was another reason why I decided that I wasn't going to do Toy Box. I'm not saying we won't ever I, do it, by the way, but just Yeah, I, that one's a really interesting one. So that that was one that was on my list of when's the right time to <laughs> go deep, take a deep dive into that case, because that's so dark. You almost have to psych yourself up as well. Yeah. And, like, for example, too, with the Albert Fish case, I remember when I... Well, when I was writing my notes for that, and also when we were talking through it, I just, I wasn't giving all the details because I just didn't want to. You have to, like, sometimes I'm like, there's no trigger warning that's enough for this. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you want to go and find out, you can, but I'll give you the the headline and and that's it. Yeah. Like, and we'll still talk through some, like, pretty grim details, but... Yeah, definitely. And actually, that post on our Instagram got taken down because it was reported because it there was there was some pretty graphic photos on that one um and like we absolutely understand so but yeah that was probably our most graphic i think anything that involves children it's that's a really difficult subject um yeah but i i would say that we don't shy away from all of them and i think that we definitely will probably like we'll probably cover pretty much any case it's just finding the right time where where we like emotionally want to go and take that deep dive into it because you do see some horrific stuff. Yeah, definitely. I think you know we don't take the piss either. Uh, I think we're quite sensitive. Yeah. I read a really nice post about true crime the other day and why it's important for people to have their stories told, yeah. the victim stories. I mean, and we're we're never ones to like glorify inflame yeah the killers and the the you know we, we want we want to empower the the victims and, and make sure their stories are told because it is important yeah exactly and we don't like gamify it like we'll we'll tell the facts and we don't 
you know embellish anything or yeah make jokes and that sort of stuff and we and the, i think the main thing is that we don't make money from this either so it's not like we're profiting off of people's yeah misfortune um so yeah i think we yeah, I think there was an answer to the question in there somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> I would say that we won't shy away from any case. We'll we'll give you all the gory details. <laughs> Amen, sister. <laughs> cool. Right, without further ado, should we jump into this case? Yes, let's do it. As I mentioned at the beginning, this week we're doing the case of Stephen Pladdle. A man who committed multiple murders before ending his own life all within a day. (gasps) So yeah, like I mentioned, there's a huge set of trigger warnings. In this episode, we're talking about murder, incest, the killing of a child, (gasps) and other general weirdness. Oh my goodness. Okay, so (laughs) the graphic cases, yep, so we're going to go straight into one. This could be a contender yeah. <laughs> for things that maybe I was like, do I really want to do this? But we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. As a preface, like Stephen Pladdle is a very, very disturbed man. And the, the best way to start this case is by going back to 1995. Back then, Stephen Pladdle was 20 and he met a 15-year-old Alyssa. Apparently they met online which I kind of forgot was a thing back in 1995. Yeah. But yeah, they managed it. And uh, they got together in real life, despite Stephen being 20 and Alyssa being 15. 15, yeah. Is this case UK-based? The US. US, okay. And Stephen got Alyssa pregnant when she was just 17. Okay. I guess that's kind of the first red flag that this guy isn't right. I mean, 15-year-old. 15-year-old, yeah. That is is so young. So young. And so, obviously, they're in contact for two years before she gets pregnant. Exactly. Alyssa gave birth to a baby girl that they called Denise. When Denise was eight months old, the couple put the baby up for adoption. Okay. The couple were young and not very well off. Yeah. They struggled to make ends meet, so it seemed like the best thing to do. Alyssa also had suspicions that Stephen was physically abusing the baby <gasps> due to bruises that were showing up. No, 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 no. That's not okay. That's not okay. No. I was eight months old. It's just so young. Well, it's all... How could you even... I mean, how could you abuse anyone? But an eight-month-year-old baby when you're a full-grown man just seems... Awful. Unbelievable. Uh, Alyssa, when recalling giving up her baby for adoption, said, it was so hard to give her up, but I had to because I wanted her to live and be happy. Baby Denise was adopted by a couple, Tony and Kelly Fusco. They renamed Denise Katie and raised her in a place called Dover which was north of New York City. Katie lived a relatively normal life. She was apparently an animal lover, a vegetarian who loved her food. She was an aspiring artist and well-known at Dover High School for drawing cartoon strips. Wow. Her aspirations were to get into digital advertising, which I presume would give her a way to flex her creative muscles and make some money. 
Oh, she sounds great. Does, yeah, very creative. Yeah, really creative. Katie wrote in a blog post this quote, A pen and something to draw on became a safe space for me. Ink became my weapon against rules and regulations. To be short, for me, a life without art is no life at all. Seems very poetic, wow. Yeah, I was going to say, that's really poetic. That's beautiful. I like that a lot. Indeed. Katie turned 18 in January 2016. Apparently Katie had known she was adopted for some time, and she'd used social media to find and contact her birth parents, Stephen and Alyssa Pladdle. The Plattle couple were happy to reconnect with Katie after all those years. Katie had initially intended to go to college in August 2016 to help her achieve the aspirations that I mentioned before. Instead, she decided to move in with her birth parents in Henrico County, Virginia. Oh, okay. Which is such a weird decision, right? It's strange. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of emotion going on there. I mean... Her mother, her birth mother before, you know, to give her up, it, that's such a big decision. But if she was doing it for the benefit of her child, it's completely respectable. Um, really hard decision. She's now lived a new life with a new family. But to go, it's, oh, I feel like there's no right or wrong. It's, re- it's a really tricky emotional turmoil that they have to go through. But, oh. Yeah, I think to... Yeah, to, I guess to like pick it over college. See, I, when I first read that, I was like, were her family okay with this? This seems like a really weird yeah. thing to do. Like, you've grown into an adult now and you have aspirations and things you want to do. And of course, like reconnect with your birth family if you want to. Um, but to commit that hard to going back to your roots. But at the end of the day, I guess I can never know what it's like yeah. to be adopted. I hope I can never know anyway, <laughs> mum and dad. Surprise! If you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no <laughs> exactly I, I know i i can never be i'll never be able to understand truly like being i you know I, i'm not adopted i don't know what it feels like so i guess we'll never know you know what she was going through and at 18 i know adult you're an adult technically at 21 in america but in the uk 18 here you are an adult so I feel like we're still in that mindset as well. So 18-year-old, you you make your own decision. She, she can choose whatever she likes. But it is a big decision to not go to college. Yeah, exactly. And I think, she, you know, her parents, her adopted parents, sorry, the Fuscos, they were apprehensive about this decision. Of course you would be for the reasons we mentioned. Yeah. You've got a whole life ahead of you and college seems like at least the orthodox thing to do. But equally, they recognised that Katie was technically an adult now, like you say. And I think they felt obliged to support her decisions. Yeah. She's, it must be difficult being adopted, having that sense of belonging or missing that sense of belonging for a long time. So they, they trusted her and supported her decision. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I also think, though, there would be an element of if the her adoptive parents knew anything about the mother the birth mother um suspecting that any abuse was happening if that 
that part of the story was told to the adoptive parents, then I can, you know, there'd be a heightened sense of worry going back into that, uh, into that family because, you know, there could be added dangers there, um, getting to know them. Yeah, that's a really interesting point, actually. I didn't think of that. Obviously, we know from what Alyssa said from speaking after the case all came out that she suspected Stephen was an abuser mm. to the child. But I don't know if her parents ever knew that. Yeah. You'd like to think that if they knew that, if this wouldn't then happen. She, they, they'd be a bit more resistant to her going. Yeah. However, without giving anything away, there are things that happen later in this case that make me at least question her parents' decision-making. Okay, <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I think that kind of falls under the general weirdness of this case, but it's a really interesting point, to be fair. So, Katie moves into the home of Stephen and Alyssa Pladdle, and they're still together after all this time, which is kind of surprising. Like She was 15 when they got together. He was 20. Yeah. She suspected him of abusing a child all these years ago. They'd actually had two more children together at this point too. Okay. Although that was the case and they'd stayed together this entire time, I think not everything was well. Their relationship was extremely strained. Right. And uh, Alyssa said that she'd suffered emotional and verbal abuse for years and they were kind of already separated at that point. They were sleeping in separate beds. According to Alyssa... Stephen was the sort of person that made everyone aware of his moods. People around him had to walk on eggshells. He was yelling, screaming, smashing things, throwing things, all in front of his children too. Oh, that's awful. It's always, it's horrible being around people that like show their emotions. Like for me anyway, I I find it very difficult being around people that are quite up and down all over the place because it, I... I kind of feel their emotion. I feel it's, it's such an unsettling feeling to live with someone like Stephen. It that must be awful. I mean, to the the unsettling, constantly feeling uncomfortable. That just would be so much, so much stress and strain. Yeah, it's kind of like the Fred West case, isn't it? Where all of his children felt super uncomfortable around him. Yeah, and would leave the room, and it's that sort of person for the sounds of things. Yeah. Um, so after Katie had gone to stay with Alyssa and Stephen, she naturally got to know both her parents. Alyssa decided to, I guess, take the brave decision to actually tell Katie that one of the reasons they gave her up was that she suspected Stephen had abused her as a baby and that that was a major reason for her adoption and her own safety. I was going to say, I can't imagine how you would feel being told that. That's huge that's awful how do you think she would react well <laughs> the, way you, the way you say that probably the opposite to how i think um well probably want to go back to your your adoptive parents and go and live that nice life back there <laughs> probably you'd get the hell out wouldn't you you'd... yeah <laughs> I'd swiftly turn around and head for the door. Yeah, it feels like a lose-lose in that situation. You either 
have been abused as a child or your birth mother has decided to just make something up mm. and both of those are red flags and maybe a warning sign however when Alyssa told Katie about the potential abuse that she received as a child Katie was apparently unfazed she didn't appear to be concerned and she was happy spending time with Stephen oh my goodness oh that's interesting now major warning this is where things start to unravel and start to take a really creepy turn. After Katie moved into the Pladdles' home, Alyssa noticed that Stephen's behaviour began to change. He started adhering to trends, wearing skinny jeans and nicer t-shirts and shirts. He tidied up his beard and let his hair grow long. And you'll see this in the photos, but honestly, this guy's appearance changes so much he literally looks like a completely different person really oh yeah he looks he looks so much younger and it's just weird it's like they don't look like the same person i'm gonna have to google it right now oh yeah oh my goodness how crazy is that obviously i couldn't find one of him looking like it beforehand but that's a massive change going from like what he looked like at midway to what he ended up looking like is a crazy change that is a really big change yeah it looks like it's inverted you know he yeah i see the one with the goatee he's got like sunglasses on short hair that one's the biggest change he's got the skinny jeans and the black shirt and long hair and he looks like he could be a sibling there rather than an ad like the father figure literally does looks like they could be a similar age it's balmy that's spooky that is really spooky so yeah Stephen goes through this transformation and about six weeks after katie moved in Stephen began sleeping on the floor of her room which is weird in itself yeah naturally this concerned Alyssa. Like, why on earth was he sleeping on the floor? Her concern only grew when Stephen slept on her floor again the next night. Alyssa confronted Stephen about this and was told to mind her business before Stephen left the house with Katie in tow. Alyssa had had enough. She'd had three children with this guy, spent years being abused by him, and from her perspective, the marriage was now over. She moved out in November, about three months after Katie moved in. And, you know, I feel bad for Alyssa. She met this guy online as a young teenager. He groomed her, knocked her up, and then abused her for years with some awful manipulation. Yeah. According to one report, he would threaten to kill himself in front of her if she left him. Oh my goodness. Wow. Proper toxic. Really toxic. That's so hard. Very manipulative. Wow. And that's a, actually, yeah, that's a PSA, public service announcement. If, if, anyone's, if anyone's telling you they're going to harm themselves if you leave them, that is, that is, emotion, that is a manipulation. That's very toxic. Yeah. And you, you are within your right to leave them. That's not okay. So now at this point, Alyssa's finally left. But she has to share custody of their other children with Stephen. And she feels like she's left her firstborn in an uncomfortable situation with him. In May 2017, less than a year after she moved out, 
Alyssa learnt a horrifying truth. Alyssa was reading the diary of one of her younger children. As she read, she discovered that Stephen had told his two other children to stop calling Katie their sister and start calling her their stepmom. <gasps> no. No. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <sighs> There's like so many victims in this case. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. Those two siblings must be that must have a lasting impact on them. That's just so much so much trauma. There's so so many victims. Poor kids. Poor oh. Yeah, he is a monster, you're right. He is so evil. Even so more evil. disturbing, she learned from the journal that Katie may be pregnant with Stephen's baby. <gasps> No, no, this is so, so bad, so yeah. bad. Yep. Alyssa was naturally horrified. Her ex-husband had begun an incestuous relationship with their daughter. In, and in her belief, this was the same daughter that he physically abused before they had to give her up. My goodness. When Alyssa called Stephen to confront him, he said, I thought you knew. We're in love. What? What? You... I thought you knew. Oh, I can't believe he said it so blasé. Like... This guy was really delusional and thought that generally people would just be fine with this. It's not okay. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh, this case. Alyssa naturally called the police. Thank God. Good. Only two months after that conversation, which was also two months after Alyssa and Stephen's divorce was finalised, Stephen married his daughter in Maryland. Ma- Maryland. Maryland? 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 Maryland. 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 What's the state called? Oh, we're so Maryland. sorry to our American listeners. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that has just gone. Ma- Maryland. 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 Not Maryland. I feel like that's too pronounced. Maryland. Pronounced. Yeah, that's Ma- Maryland. 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 Yeah, something. It's in like there if you somewhere. say if you say it too many times, it starts sounding really strange. Yeah. <laughs> that's a hell of a tangent uh. from there. So yeah. He, anyway, he dun, dun, dun. married his daughter. That's so not okay. Um, they lied on their wedding application and said they were unrelated. And this is the part that really confuses me. There were some guests at the wedding, and there's actually a photo of Katie and Stephen on their wedding day. And okay. when I saw this photo, I thought, this is weird. There's some normal-looking people there. Well, the normal-looking people, it turns out, were Katie's adopted parents. What? And Stephen's mum. What? What? Why are they all involved in this? This is not okay. (laughs) Well, they are... Their adopted daughter is marrying her birth father. Oh, this is so not okay. Is that the photo I saw? Is it... Is the the photograph where there's like a lake or something behind them? Yeah, there's water behind them. Yeah, that's the one where he looks really young in it and they look like siblings. But they don't know. That's their wedding day. Yes, that's their wedding dress oh in a bl- black my. dress. Yeah, in the black dress. 
oh, this is so not okay. Why are they... Surely they would be completely in their right to be like, stop this wedding. I know, I lawfully know there's something wrong with it. Like, I, You can understand somewhat them wanting to like give their daughter, their adopted daughter, freedom as an adult and try to be supportive because she's in this difficult position. She's been adopted, but you've got to draw the line somewhere. And surely it's about a mile before that point. Yeah, yeah, I would hope so. Oh my goodness! And and his 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 mum's fine with this as well. Apparently, she's watching yeah. her son marry her granddaughter. Yeah, that. So she would become her daughter-in-law. That's it. No, it's both her granddaughter and daughter-in-law, and they're oh. all there smiling like this is just a happy day on the beach. This case is really icky. It's it's weird, man. Oh. It's so weird. It's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay, and it and it, it gets even darker. Um, I suppose because let's not forget too that like Stephen was a full blown groomer. Yeah. Uh, although, like you said, Katie's adopted parents have taken the weird decision to be supportive of this wedding to a degree. Well, attend it at least. Yeah. This guy is still twisted and manipulative and has managed to basically groom a young girl into a relationship. A completely Um, illegal and immoral relationship. Absolutely. I I think it is also important maybe that he he is so manipulative that there is a chance as well that he may have manipulated the the adoptive parents as well as his mother and, you know, they would come into the victim category as well potentially i mean he could be he could be so manipulative i yeah i mean he's not a great guy very possibly actually i think it's a good way to look at it uh he must have done something to like, convince put them and all you know put them all under a spell or they might be scared to speak out you know there might be so many different like connections to this that no one no one could say anything. Maybe maybe they're worried that if they aren't supportive, then Katie will just disappear forever. You know, I mm-hmm. guess they don't really have, when your child's an adult, like you said at the beginning, it's their choices. Maybe they felt they were put into a weird position, but they had to be supportive in an effort to maintain that relationship with their daughter. Mm, protect her as much as she could, you know, or like, you know, stay in contact because yeah like you said she could up and go and they may never see her again you know wherever you know know where she is so yeah such a oh such an awful situation definitely incest is not taken lightly in the usa katie gave birth in early september uh, 2017 but the couple were arrested in january 2018 less than six months later Stephen Pladdle's mother took custody of their child and there was a no-contact order put in place. This meant that they could not speak to each other and this, I assume, started to make Katie realise what was actually happening. Mm -hmm. If convicted of incest, they could have been looking at 10 years in prison, which is a long time. And for Katie, that would have meant 10 years without seeing her child, 10 years without her freedoms. Oh, 
Yeah. And I think things were starting to become a bit clearer for her. Reality set in. Yeah, that's what the, that's the phrase I was looking for. Apparently Stephen, though, was still head over heels in love with Katie. Katie returned to her parents' home in Dover. Twice a week, she would travel to her adoptive grandmother's house. On 12th of April 2018, Katie and her adoptive father, Tony Fusco, set off in a minivan towards Waterbury, Connecticut, which is where her adoptive grandmother lived. Katie had apparently broken up with Stephen the day before. Oh gosh, okay. Uh, Stephen parked outside Katie and her adopted father's house and watched them leave. Then he followed. Uh, okay. Only minutes later, in a place called New Milford, Stephen pulled up alongside Katie and her adoptive father before open firing at both of them. <gasps> no! And they were both oh. fatally shot. Oh no. Stephen called his mother. He told her that he'd killed the baby too and that she should call the police. At this point, the baby was meant to be at his house back home. Oh my goodness. This case is oh, so sad. Yeah. He told his mother to call the police. In the 911 recording, Stephen's mother said... He left the baby dead. He told me to call the police and I shouldn't go over there. Which is in reference to him leaving the baby at his home. Yeah. Stephen's mother continued. His wife broke up with him yesterday over the phone. She's in New York and he told me he was on his way back. And after bringing the baby to her and then he would be coming back. I can't believe this is happening. Police found Stephen and Katie's baby at Stephen's home, and the baby was his first murder victim. <gasps> no. It's just like, oh what an awful God. man. What an awful, awful man. He's so, so evil. So sinister. Like, who does. Ah, this man. Who does this? Stephen's body was found later that day. He had committed suicide with a bullet to the head. A campaign of abuse that Pladel had started all those years ago came to a tragic conclusion in the form of a triple murder-suicide. Alyssa, Stephen's ex-wife, and Katie's biological mother, looked back at the situation with frustration. She was frustrated that the police didn't do a better job of confiscating his guns. Stephen was always a passionate gun owner, a bit of a gun nut. The police supposedly seized his guns when they were arrested, but evidently they either didn't get them all or Stephen was able to acquire new ones. Mm. But equally, I feel bad for Alyssa. She said she felt like her daughter Katie, or Denise, if you remember back to the beginning, was taken from her life, was taken from her life three times, and the last time was forever. Oh. So she must have gone through one hell of a roller coaster. My gosh, I feel so sorry for her. Like, there are so many victims in this case. I, poor Alyssa. She, you know, she was the first victim of in all this. Fifteen, yeah. her whole life changed, and it's such. Oh, you know, so sad, so sad, and I'm so. Oh, 
Why couldn't have Stephen? I wish Stephen was. If he was alive, then he could have stood in court and been told all of the awful things that he'd done, and he would have had to face that. And I feel like that's a shame. Yeah, it is. Wow. Yeah, it is such a shame. I think problem is that he is such a narcissist it probably would have gone right over his head the guy was clearly delusional he wouldn't have sunk in the way that we'd hope what a Kate! like that had everything in it it's just poor katie unbelievable to think that's happened somewhere what about the adoptive mother as well she lost her husband right she lost her husband her child and her grandchild all in one day and her grandchild Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, Alyssa's two other children, I guess, uh, lost a sister, lost a dad, although not much of a dad, but. No, but we still have to process and understand what's just happened. And uh, I mean, one of these instances enough is, is, you know, a lot to bear. Yeah. Ah, oh, what poor family, poor family, and it's so recent as well. So I, yeah, we obviously hope that they can heal in some some sort of way from this. But oh, hopefully, find some family. peace. Yeah. Wow, what a case, Greg. Thank you, thank you for sharing this one. And yeah, like we said at the beginning, we don't shy away from a graphic one. Yeah. <laughs> Was a, oh. <laughs> uh, appropriate question considering the case we did today. It I'm really was. Find exactly. something that's a bit more lighthearted. We're coming up to Christmas. I'll uh, I'll find a Christmas case at some point. Yeah, actually, if anyone's got some recommendations for a Christmas, a Christmas holiday episode, then uh, or a suggestion, then let us know. We'll try and try and pop that in. But oh if, my goodness! If anyone wants to send us a christmas case recommendations you want to run through the socials so they know where to send it yes sure so you can send in your suggestions or your personal true crime or paranormal stories to gore and guilty podcast at gmail.com and you can also follow us on our instagram and tiktok at gore and guilty podcast and yeah awesome. yeah let us know if you have any recommendations Yes, thank you all for listening and we really, really appreciate all the support and love that you're already sending us. It's so good. And remember, we won't judge if... Gore is your guilty pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye.